Hey everybody, welcome to Investing in Cannabis. I'm Brandon David. Welcome to the show. This is the place where we talk about investing in cannabis. What other what else? Startups, founders, investors, raising money. This week we have a cool, cool episode. Ted, a flower company, uh, aside from being a really cool model and, and really unique, particularly in the cannabis delivery space, it's a service I use all the time. Uh, so it's kind of a cool episode to ask from a user perspective. Uh, we get into a lot of great topics about the black market and D to C and the economic models associated with delivery. Uh, it's a great, it's great, great episode. I learned a ton. You're going to learn a ton. Tune in, listen up, get acquainted. Ted, so nice to have you, man. Uh, Welcome to the show. I wish we could do it in person, but Zoom nonetheless. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, It's awesome to be talking with you today. For sure, man. Where in the world are you? I'm actually up in Humboldt right now in Arcata. We have one of our... uh, uh, kind of fulfillment centers up here, as well as some extraction and other manufacturing operations. So, um, been uh, working out of here all summer and uh, enjoying the epic weather. Good stuff, man. Well, I want to get into all of that, but let's start uh, just on a simple one. What is Flower Company? Yeah, so Flower Company um, is uh, you know the place where people can buy weed online for the best price and the best selection. So. Um, we're we're kind of like the Amazon of weed. Uh, I think we have over 140 brands, over 1,200 SKUs on our menu at any point in time, and they're all for the best price you can get in California, delivered to your door. Yeah, it is a pretty amazing service. Uh, we had Tony, one of the other co-founders on the show, several years ago. I think you guys were in Y Combinator or just coming out of Y Combinator or something like that. Uh, but it is a pretty innovative model. Um, it's one that I take advantage of all the time. I'm, I'm a big uh, power user of Flower Company. Uh, it's interesting how the analogy has evolved. I think we used to talk about it in terms of the Costco model and sort of the membership. And now you've gone with the Amazon sort of prime uh, analogy. Take me through like that model of being a membership sort of idea. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think it speaks to our company's culture of really being dedicated to um, uh, getting stoners stoked, <laughs> you know, um, we've always been focused on figuring out ways to make them happier. And when we first launched, um, we had a different model than we have today. You know, now anyone can come to our menu and purchase from us and um, get their cannabis delivered for half the price of a dispensary. Things like our $59 ounce you can get next day. And even in some um, in, in LA and in SF, uh, there's, there's, we're starting to roll out our same day operations. Um, uh, but uh, when we first launched, you know, you had to be a member to buy from us. Um, uh, we're definitely, you know, not the Costco of cannabis. Uh, we're really, you know, like the Amazon of weed because our model now is a, um, more like Amazon prime. So members get delivery uh, for free for next day deliveries. And, um, uh, we're rolling out some extra kind of curated early drops as we have more, um, more of our own house products and some other special things coming along. But um, we, you know, we're always looking to um, change our model, uh, innovate, be at the uh, the front edge of this industry, and um, making sure that if there's things we can do to uh, appeal to the, the the kind of heavier user, people who know what they want and want a lot of it now, that we're doing the things for them. So 
you know, you've seen other things um, roll out on our site recently as well. Um, we have a, a section of our menu that I am really stoked about because I like my weed fresh, not stale old. And so this section that's the freshest. And that's another thing that we were doing to try to make that experience better for the customer. I've definitely bought weed before. Um, and if, you, if you're buying in the regulated space and you can't see the open you know, jar like you used to be able to, the next best thing is knowing that it hasn't been um, you know, sitting on a shelf for ages. So we have this section of our menu now that's all less than 30 days from testing and constantly rotating in different grades of flour um, into that section. And so I think we're going to keep trying to do things like that to iterate on the model and um, talk to our customers, hear what they want and, and evolve, adjust to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, love that, that pivotability, if that's, if that's a word. Um, yeah, no, the freshness is an, is an awesome thing, but there's a wide range for everyone. I mean, if anything, I think the biggest complaint that when I introduce it to people is they say the menu's too big. It's like daunting, <laughs> you know? Yep. Um, I love that about it, but how much do you guys think about that for someone that's starting for the first time, or are you really just focusing on the people that want weed all the time? No, it's a really, it's a really important point. And I was having dinner with my, uh, my first employee, she's been working for me and a couple of different cannabis companies for now five years and um, has, has a kind of history in doing merchandising. And um, she was saying like, Oh, this menu is awesome, but it's sometimes hard to pick. It's somewhat overwhelming. Like, are we just going to keep growing? When, when's it going to stop? Like, what's the right balance? And I think the answer to that is, we want to keep growing to offer um, uh, the things that people want um, consistently across categories, but also um, iterate on our product so that people have a more curated um, experience. You know, right now our menu is very consistent for everybody, um, but uh, pretty soon you're going to start to see things that um, we think you want, not just have the entire menu there. And you'll be able to search and go into different areas if, if you're interested in it. But just like Netflix, you know, they have a you know insane amount of content, just like they restrict it down to what they think you want. We're going to start doing the same thing. Um, and yeah, Netflix, I Amazon, I mean, even TikTok, right? Like TikTok, people like TikTok because TikTok knows what they like, basically. Um, totally. That, and, a, and, yeah. I, and I think, you know, for, for us, like we, we've gotten here uh, to this point with um, a pretty, uh, a pretty lean engineering team. Um, we only had you know, one person that rebuilt our, our new version of our product that we launched in November that, that made that switch to the more Amazon Prime type model. And um, I've been really excited as we brought in some more engineers that were able to you know, do these um, software-based things to make the experience better for the customer and um, also just uh, make things possible that aren't possible in a normal retail environment. So take me through a little bit more of that analysis of the switch from sort of the the pure membership to more of this prime model. Is that in an effort to get more people to try it or what's the thought process? Yeah. So, you know, what what we realized is um, the the early model where you had to be a member um, uh, really um, was making it harder to communicate to people um, who we're just starting to learn about us, um, uh, what what we were, and, and make it made it harder for them to take that first try. Even though we were giving them a trial, um, a lot of people, you know, just they didn't want to necessarily label themselves as being someone who'd be part of that sort of club. 
Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we found that doing that change definitely helped to open it up, make it easier for people to, to give us a go. And as people purchase from us, they, you know, they, they're, they're quickly realized that they, um, you know, it makes more sense to, you know, put their wallet with us and buy from us because you get twice the weed for your money. Um, and you can always replenish that brand you love versus, you know, it's stocking out at your local store. Um, and having to go, you know, poke around and their menus aren't necessarily up to date. It's, it's so. something that I wonder all the time is like, okay, when people try it, do they keep going back? Because I certainly do. I, I see the value there, but in that model shift, have you seen that play out in the numbers without revealing more than you want to, obviously, you know, has that shift been meaningful? Yeah, you know, I think we've we've found that um, it's been a change that has just in you know overall been been really good for users. Um, people that stay as you know that 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 add their membership get free delivery, which people hate delivery fees, so that's made people really happy. And we have found that once you try Flower Co, it's really hard to go back to a normal dispensary. Mm-hmm. Um, and even more important than just dispensaries, because they're not really the biggest competition. Uh, it's really hard to go back to buying from an illicit market dealer or yep. from one of the you know legal shops in LA um, when you can get exactly what you want delivered at prices that compete with the illicit market. You know we've got absolutely. I love that you guys lean into that too, like your your marketing campaign about breaking up with your dealer and you know I mean that's who you're trying to get here, right? Is that people have this notion and I have a lot of companies on the show that talk about like the next 90% wave of consumers that are coming, you know, soccer moms and lawyers and everything. But you guys really have decided like, Hey, there's this whole market here. We just need to convert from the traditional market. Um, And I think that's, that's fairly unique. I don't think a lot of people are thinking like that. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of people um, are getting lost chasing the millennial that's, um, you know, just getting brave enough to try their first edible or the, um, the, you know, the parent that, you know, maybe wants to dabble again, that hasn't consumed now that their kids are out of, out of college, they want to give it another go. You know, I think those are all great customers. And I think we offer them um, a really compelling offering as well, because you can get the thing that you want consistently. And, um, you know, those customers, as they, they go through their exploration um, and they find what they want, like uh, we are a great place for them to keep getting that. But I'm really focused on the customer today who is the, you know, the, the consistent user and they, they currently really, it's really hard for them to, you know, choose between buying from a regulated shop with pretty high taxes versus going to their friend. And when you can go to your, you know, your friend that grew um, some weed indoors um, or grew some weed on their, you know, their outdoor grow and buy product that is fresh um, uh, for you know less than a regulated shop. It's it's really hard to to stay in the regulated market. And as somebody who you know um, you know I was in the market when it was medical and transition. Um, I saw all these farmers and all these um, people making the investment into the regulated market, making that commitment. And it's it's really hard when those people um, don't have an outlet that. Uh, is attractive to customers. So I think Flower Co. is really helping those people maintain access to, pe- to, to the market where otherwise customers are just going to choose to go to the illicit market because we can compete with the illicit market on price. Like we have, I don't know if you've checked out any of our recent $59 ounces, but 
you know, some of these are, you know, like mid 20 potency and really Mm -hmm. large buds. Like we've evolved, we've gone from having those be a, you know, a kind of, um, smalls, like a similar to an old pal grade, um, to, uh, really like solid flower that goes toe to toe with anyone else's outdoor. And, um, I think that like that beats what a dealer can get you. And Mm -hmm. so, um, uh, that's certainly the selection that you would get from a dealer. I mean, everybody has the experience of you get something from the dealer and then they come back a week or two weeks later and they have the same stuff. And it's like, totally. who, want, who wants that? You know, you, you don't want that for sure. Um, so look, that model is very interesting. And just from what I know about last mile delivery and, and economics there, your profitability must be quite a bit better given that you're delivering next day or two days in advance. I would venture to say your average basket size is bigger. Um, again, you don't have to give away any specific data here that you don't want to, um, but I find it very interesting and it must, the numbers must look a lot different for you than they do a traditional delivery service. Yeah, you know, I think um, I developed this model after seeing how problematic a lot of the other delivery models, um, mm-hmm. uh, you, know, you know, turn out being. Uh, I didn't want to be in a position where I owed my, um, uh, my vendors and I couldn't pay them because I scaled a model that didn't work, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, I've been really happy with um, uh, how, our, how our business model looks. I think we're building something that um, is um, enduring, is different. Um, we're able to offer a, you know, better pricing and better mix because of it. And um, while customers, um, you know, have to wait to get it next day, um, if you're a consistent purchaser, that's not a big deal. And as we have, um, you know, same day offerings of a more tailored, uh, more house focused menu available, where if you really need it today, you can get that product. Um, I think we're, we're kind of filling the gaps that we, we originally launched with. Um, but uh, I, you know, I think we're going to be uh, the, the type of business that um, survives through moments where capital is less accessible and then um, really thrives as there's more access, as we're able to get into you know, other states federally and whatnot. I think this is going to be the type of model that um, people will be buying their weed from nationwide um, as, we, as we look ahead in the future. Yeah, that's on my list to talk about is other states. Um, what is that? I mean, there's probably so much more to go in California, but you, how much do you think about other states? You know, I uh, I think other states are are super interesting, and I um, uh, I'm excited and, and applaud the uh, the states as they continue to um, you know regulate cannabis, um, legalize it. Uh, and particularly roll out delivery into new markets because I think it's it's a really good thing for access and you know, safe access to have delivery be allowed and, and so I think COVID helped to accelerate that in a lot of states that were already legal. Um, we are completely focused right now on just making our California customers really stoked, turning on additional parts of the state. We cover about half of Californians, but um, uh, adding more to that constantly so that we can. Uh, just provide you know safe access that is affordable and gets people to switch from from buying from their you know their dealers to buying from us here in California. I think you know looking ahead a couple of years, I'm definitely excited to 
um, expand into other states. But I think that there's a lot more we can do ahead of us right now in this market. And I, uh, I think we have the, the model and the, um, the customer experience here where we will become the dominant delivery business um, over time in this market and then use that to go in other places. Love that. Um, yeah, I, I mean, when you think about uh, the customer and that experience, how do you just get more people to experience it, right? I mean, at some point, this is very much a marketing business. Um, what's worked for you guys? It can be tricky in this industry, you know, a lack of Instagram. Like, I, you guys happen to retarget me on Pornhub, which maybe that's too much information, but uh, <laughs> I, I did see some ads there. Um, but yeah, yeah what, what's working for you guys? No, that's a good question. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, um, the, the thing that's going to be constant um, yeah, across you know, different cannabis companies is marketing is hard in our space. There's a lot of censorship, a lot of self-censorship by different um, companies that makes it more difficult. And so my belief is that the product that the customers love the most is going to be the winner because it's going to be able to retain them more. It'll have better word of mouth. Um, and uh, it'll be cheaper to acquire customers with the paid work you do do. So, um, you know, we, we've really focused on um, making a product that people love, they want to tell their friends about, encouraging that. Um, and I think our biggest growth really has been word of mouth, you know, people telling their friends that, yeah, we can buy a $15 live resin gram cartridge from these guys, which is the price a lot of people wholesale at. Um, at the same time, if you're just growing from word of mouth, um, uh, you know, you, it, it's, it's helpful to uh, create more top of funnel to just uh, create some more awareness uh, that as a base for that word of mouth to grow from. So, you know, we have started this year to um, start to do some more experiments on different paid channels. Uh, love that we got you on Pornhub. I think, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, that that's one that um, uh, is, is kind of fun to, to see how people have, see, see who, who's honest about where, how they found us. Porn um, moves but, the needle, man. Porn moves the needle. Always has in technology. It's totally. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I believe that. Um, so, you know, I think we're, we're still figuring out the best, uh, ways to acquire users with top of funnel, but, um, we have found that, you know, I think our, our product itself causes people to be better customers than when they're using a standard e-commerce, a standard delivery experience. Sure. You know, we, we um, have better retention, um, better baskets. And uh, I think we're really though going to continue to focus most of our energy on making that product experience so good that people just can't help themselves, but tell their friends about it. You know, if, if you um, uh, can delight your customers and make them love you, this is the YC thing. They'll tell their friends about it. So mm -hmm. we're really focused on doing that and building a building an experience that's 10 times better than the other companies so that people pick us because of that, not just because we've spammed them with, you know, a, a million billboards. Um, and as, <laughs> as some but like when I find so. something that's targeted to me and I want it, I find that delightful right? Like, that's not a negative to me. Like, if I had discovered you guys through a porn hunt app, I'd be like, hell yeah, you 
know, like that's awesome. Totally. So I don't know. I think it cuts both ways. I do a, a lot of work on the digital marketing side with a company called the Flower Agency. Um, and they basically drive traffic to, to menus and they do it quite well. Um, not that I'm plugging them too much on this show. Um, but one of the other things <laughs> that they work on a lot um, is sort of a D2C model. And that's one of the changes that you guys have uh, gone through too, is you were sort of doing this delivery for other brands direct, and then you've pulled back from that and sort of grass yeah. door has stepped into that. Take me through that, that decision process. Yeah, that's a really, um, uh, it was a really interesting process for me. You know, I, I still am a believer that brands will have a time and place to drive direct to consumer business. Um, you know, we, we uh, uh, built a, a decent size uh, business, worked with a lot of brands that I respect and you know, continue to have a good relationship with. You know, we didn't pull the rug out from under them when we rolled them off. We you know, made it as smooth as we could. But um, yeah, I just realized that um, and I, and I think um, I've learned this from a, a bunch of my different experiences in cannabis, you know, founding Old Pal, um, building a couple of other you know, brands or, or licensed businesses that I need to focus more. <laughs> and mm. I want that focus to be on the thing that is most important, which is Flower Co. and building the best experience for our customers possible. And if we were going to power these other brands um, to do, to do e-commerce, um, it was inevitably going to slow down the pace that we rolled out new things like um, the freshest section or really deep house menu, menu categories or mm-hmm. um, brought on, you know, solvent lists. Like we, we've got seven tens Percy um, uh, uh, product now on the menu. And, and that is because we've been able to focus on making it. So our supply chain is frozen from top to finish for the extracts that need it. If we mm-hmm. had been focused on enabling DTC brands to be enabled, we just wouldn't have been able to move as fast. And I, uh, if you've t- if you know, talk to people who work with me, I like to move very quickly. And um, I think being focused on things just allows you to do that. So um, that's what really drove that decision-making process. And uh, um, I uh, definitely love to monitor, kind of see what brands are doing. But at the end of the day, brands in this space face the same exact problems that delivery companies do in finding their customers. And also a lot of the brands in this space don't actually do much to create value. You know, a lot of brands (laughs) aren't actually doing the manufacturing. They're not doing the sourcing. They're not doing the distribution. And so they're not doing the growing. They're not doing the growing. And so, you know, we, we look at what we, what we wanted to do. We wanted to make an experience that was better the illicit market that got people to switch. Yeah. And I don't think that brands going direct to consumer are really able to do that. Um, well, uh, I think it brings a super up a unique product. It, it seems like a super interesting question. Um, look, I, I, I agree with everything that you said. You have to focus that that's the way that huge value is created in experiences. Uh, but, but the thing is when, when you talk about uh, this, this experience of having it delivered directly to you, do people want that? We have to ask, like, what does the consumer want? You know, do they want to have to go to one place to buy gummies and another place to buy vapes? And I don't think so, right? And so, totally. yeah, a lot of these brands are saying, oh, we're Amazon, right? Oh, we're going to deliver. We're going to skip the retail channel. But is that what consumers want? I don't know. 
Yeah, I mean, and, and if you look out outside of cannabis, um, sure, like it, for sure, D2C brands are a thing that have created value. You know, you can look at Warby Parker or, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, uh, Casper or these different brands that have done an excellent job of, of, of taking a category over, but they also haven't created insane value, you know, and Amazon's still the winner. It's the e-commerce yeah. winner. And, yeah. and, and I think when you, when you, when you look at what a cannabis consumer is purchasing, they frequently want a mixture of different things for different moments. And the, you know, the, the AOV, the average order value, the basket that a customer is going to have when they're buying each of those things from different people is just not going to be as large. And so, you know, it may make sense for a brand to invest in developing that community, that relationship. Um, uh, but I, I personally think that brands are better suited using that type of direct-to-consumer experience to, to test new products, to reward people who are already their, you know, their, their best customers with, you know, extra goodies. And um, to, um, uh, you know, and, and I really think those things can be done mostly with existing partners rather than reinventing the wheel with their own e-commerce experiences. You know, five years from now, is that going to be different when brands can drop a package in the mail? Sure. But I don't think we're there today. And mm-hmm. um, I think uh, uh, the, the future is, over the next couple of years is really going to be people, you know, aggregating into places like us where you can get a differentiated experience or, you know, in the moment dropping by a a retail dispensary to pick something up that you really need urgently. Um, Mm -hmm. If, uh, uh, if you want to have that sort of experiential in-person buying process. So um, uh, I'd love to be proven wrong though. You know, um, I, uh, I've like rooting for those brands. It'd be cool to see what they can do. Love, love learning. Um, but I, it was a pretty, uh, clear decision for me as we realized just how much it would distract us from our core focus of, um, getting, uh, getting our stoners stoked. So what do you know about the economics of delivering B2C that these other guys haven't figured out yet <laughs> because everybody's um, pretty excited about it. I mean, I don't know if I know much different about the actual in real time on demand delivery costs than them, but I think I've learned the true cost that being distracted by that mm-hmm. can present to your core business. Yeah, it's not what you set out to do. It's not what you set out to do. I understood. Um, give me a sense of the scale today, however you want to do that, number of members or I, I don't know, however you want to do that. How big are you today? Yeah, so we're we're delivering, um, you know, we're, we're delivering to, you know, a couple million of, of revenue a, a month right now. So okay. um, shipping a lot of weed. Yeah, that's 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 quite a bit of weed. Um <laughs> Yeah. You know, one of the really interesting, you've seen these other subscription boxes as well, right? Without naming any names where they send you what they curate every month and you sort of have to trust them, right? Um, We've talked about on the other end, like you have a ton of selection, including your own in-house brands. Like, 
Tell me a little bit about that process of selecting the brands and the SKUs and all of that. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think part of why I love my model is the level playing field it offers to people, whether it's equity brands or, you know, folks that have think they've developed a, you know, a new product that's really killer to get into the market and see what the customers actually want. Um, we have our products stored at a big fulfillment center up here in Humboldt. Um, and so we're, um, we're not constrained in the same way that other um, delivery companies are where it's, you know, in the trunk of a car or in a small, um, you know, bunch of small locations all over the state. We have one place, which means we can take, you know, take, take bets on these smaller brands or these new products without it having to, you know, devolving into the sort of boys club that most retail um, distribution looks like in California. Um, I mean, I remember when I launched my first brand trying to sell into shops in different places. It's, it's just really hard if you're not mm -hmm. part of that, that crew. And I think that's really, you know, not fair to communities that aren't already in that group. Um, whether, you know, it's, it's people of color that are, um, are starting to create new brands or um, uh, folks that are, you know, just coming in. Uh, and, and I think it's not fair to the customer at the end of the day, because they're not getting the best, they're not getting to try the best products if they're constrained by this sort of boys club. So we, you know, we have a really open platform. Um, obviously we don't, we can't have everything. It needs to um, be reasonably priced. If, if we look at it and we're like, this is way out of proportion to what other similar products are selling for. Um, and there's not a quality difference. We're not going to let something like that on the menu, but in general, we're really down to take small bets on people and then re reorder and scale into it as we see the, the velocity increasing from those, those brands. So, you know, I, I love it. Like, uh, it means we get to try fun new stuff. Like, yeah. the, um, like the, the, um, the pop rocks, uh, pop rocks <laughs> by um, Sunder and then, uh, uh, other things like, um, uh, you know, different types of hash that people are making. So, mm -hmm. uh, I think it, it is a real advantage, um, but it also means that our buying team has a lot of work. So my hat, you know, tip my hat to the, to those guys for being able to maintain that and, you know, having good relationships with all of those brands is really difficult. So I think they're doing a great job. Difficult, but, uh, seemingly fun job as well <laughs> um let me let me shift gears a little bit i'd love to talk a little bit about you you've done so many things in the industry you talked about old pal just humble legends um yeah how do you west of west i guess i want to hear a little bit about but how do you um balance all your time my friend you you are a very busy dude well you know i think i've balanced it by focusing on flowerca um i uh um, originally got in the industry by joining forces with a cultivator and a lawyer from up in Humboldt County to launch this brand called Humboldt Legends that would celebrate the terroir, the place, the the plant, and sort of the community's relationship with it up here in Humboldt. And I still love that story. I mean, I love the community up here. I um, I think it's so exciting. You still live there. Part of, That's yeah, telling. I still, That's I still, telling. still, you know, I split time between other like a bunch of parts of California. I'm, kind of people ask me where I live, like I'm a Californian, um, but <laughs> I love it up here. At the same time, as we evolved and um, I saw 
um, the the kind of competition for that uh, that kind of uh, legacy cultivation narrative and the the result of selling it in California, where you know I think its real heyday will be when we can ship to other parts of the country or the world. Um, I realized that it was better um, to focus on um, uh, opportunity building Old Pal and building Flower Co. And you know, um, getting Old Pal off the ground was insane. Um, uh, I uh, really enjoyed that experience. It was wild to build what I think is like the the first mass market flower brand that came out. Of For a while, you were the best selling in the state. I don't know if you still are, or Pacific Stone, maybe today. I don't know. You're close. Yeah, but you know, I, I really I made a call in um, uh, after kind of be, beginning of 2019. I made a call to really get dedicated, be focused on Flower Co. Um, I've uh, really wound down the other holdings that I had outside of it, and while I retain some ownership in Old Pal, and I'm rooting for them and and what they're doing, not involved with it on a day-to-day basis anymore, mm-hmm. and I'm not on the mm-hmm. board anymore. You know, I'm I'm focused on making Flower Co. happen, and um, I think that uh, is part of why we're able to you know move faster. And um, at the same time, all of those lessons um, that we've had are coming back um, uh, in different ways. You know, part of it is I've got a team that straddles both the the legacy um, kind of market people who've been in the industry for 10 to 15 20 years and i've got folks on my team who killed it in other you know t- tech companies and know how to t- do a lean startup type approach and so meshing those two people those types two types of people together and getting them to learn from each other and tackle problems with both perspectives gives us a really interesting edge as we um, are trying to beat the illicit market and um, the you know commodity price fluctuations are really dramatic. It's a very volatile industry. Having that foundation of a team has been awesome to lean on, and I think is part of what makes us different. Part of what makes us understand the consumer better. Um, and then you know, there's also just been some really like tactical stuff. Like I remember in 2017, I had made a bunch of fresh frozen uh, right before Raw Garden started to drop their prices on on mm-hmm. their grams of extract, and I learned a lot then about how to not kind of get caught up in the seasonal cycles and big bets that are too big um, mm-hmm. because you have this sense of urgency that, Oh, if I don't do this big enough now, once the season's over, I won't be able to do it again for a year. Like that, those sort of traps can make you take risk. That's not, you know, proportionate. Mm-hmm. Um, and that same, like that live resin and a fresh frozen experience for me taught me a lot about that process, about how to um, deal with, extraction, how to think about the logistics. And so when you look at our, our cart menu and we have um, just insane prices on our, um, you know, our distillate half grams, nine bucks, the, the one grammars about $12, the live resin one gram is 15. And we're able to do that because of all these lessons we've had of interacting with co-packers as a team, interacting with farms, um, doing cultivation and um, really, I think we're going to keep being able to get better prices, better quality. Um, like we've got diamonds um, and and sugars and things selling in the you know ten to fifteen dollar range from mm-hmm. our house menu, and that's all possible because of the the lessons we've learned. But if we were still working on those different things, we wouldn't be able to execute on Flower Co. fast enough. So we're just really focused now on 
I'm really focused on Flower Co., dedicated to it. And I think um, uh, I'm trying to get my uh, kind of entrepreneurial uh, juices where like I love to think of how to create new businesses or new um, products to just be really focused within Flower Co. on how do we add something like the freshest section that um, uh, speaks to me as a customer or how do we curate things that are um, curate, create the experience for our customers so that they're seeing the products they want to see. So um, it's definitely been a really wild path over the last five <laughs> years in the industry for me. Um, and I still view myself as a newcomer, um, uh, you, know, re- you know, working on the shoulders of people, both cultivators and um, activists that made this all possible. I'm really grateful for that. And I think that's partially you know, that those lessons and that recognition that we're um, building on those things is why, um, you know, we as a team really like think about what we're doing as building the cannabis industry you want to live in. Um, Like Mm -hmm. I want to live in an industry where there's a ton of variety of flavors. A lot of brands don't want to live in a, that's affordable, affordable. you know, I don't want to have a bunch of super finance Canadian companies buy everything up and make it into a banana plantation. I don't want to smoke Bud with, Light. I could tell yeah, you Yeah, I don't want to smoke Bud Light. So like yeah. we're we're trying to keep cannabis craft, yeah. um, keep it diverse, but also make it affordable and accessible in the regulated market. And I think that dedication to that like that kind of value and that goal is what excites the the people I bring in and is why we have such an awesome group of folks and are you know continuing to bring in awesome hires so um yeah well said you you have such a a background in the traditional market we'll call it for for the time being you know it must in california it's not just a business choice it's like a cultural divide about the illicit market versus new cannabis um how do you straddle that line you know like when you see there was this big i don't know almost two point billion dollar bust couple weeks ago right and then half the industry is really upset like that the man is you know fucking over weed and then the other half of the industry is like well yeah but we pay taxes so obviously we don't want illicit cannabis like how do you feel being sort of on on both sides of those in a way you know i i think um my experience makes me really empathetic to everybody who's going through this transition but um I also think that the state has a role in trying to create a healthy regulated market. And I think it's really important that it's active in that role. You know, part of that means needs to be really realistic about the, um, the, the results of having taxes structured the way they are or mm-hmm. limiting licenses in certain areas. Um, you know, I guess that, that, that license issue is, is more at a local level, but when you have more access and you make, make it easier to get a delivery or retail license, um, and you make it more competitive, you have, um, you have market forces drive people from the, um, you know, the unregulated and into the regulated market. And I think those forces are what's going to actually cause change. You know, like they, they, they tried to, um, you know, enforce, um, you know, cannabis laws in Humboldt for, for decades, but the longest lasting, um, you know, civil act of civil disobedience in the U S is kind of continuing up here with the way people <laughs> cultivate at the same time. Uh, I think that enforcement is, um, 
you know, it's not going to, it's not the solution, but when people are doing things like environmental damage or, um, you know, operating retail locations next door to licensed operators and not charging tax, um, like it, it's not, um, it really makes it a lot harder for the regulated industry to exist and, to, um, be competitive. And so, you know, I, um, I don't, um, uh, I don't think that, uh, it's, um, a black and white kind of a situation, um, at all times, but I also think that the, the regulators in enforcing the rules and, um, shutting down illicit grows, um, or illicit, uh, dispensaries. And at the same time, opening access, making it easier for people to get licenses, making that faster, make it so you don't have to wait six months from one step to another so that you're, and, and, and I'm not saying that's all happening at state level. A lot of that's local stuff, but doing those things is going to be way more impactful than, than just doing raids. Um, and it's also something where we need to have our eyes open as we decriminalize things um, across the country. It makes it easier for the illicit market to operate. There's less of a risk premium they need to charge. And that's going to make it, um, that's going to make it more competitive uh, for the, make it harder for some of the regulated industry. At the same time, I would never stand in the way of a, um, you know, decriminalization sort of approach um, because of that uh, fear of what it means for competition. Like people should not be in jail for, um, you know, their like, personal use of cannabis. It's, it's ridiculous. And it's, it's hard, uh, hard stop. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's, it's totally it's what you do with your body. I mean, look, I'm, I'm pretty extreme, but I think if somebody wants to do heroin and put it in their body, like it's none of my business, you know, but um, I'm not, I'm not saying we should legalize heroin. Um, <laughs> but um, is that the biggest obstacle to flower code today? The black market? Is that still the biggest obstacle for you guys? Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I think like the the biggest obstacle is, um, uh, I mean, the biggest opportunity really is the illicit market. It's it's making our product so competitive that we're less expensive than going to your dealer, and our stuff's tested, and those test results are on our website, and you can see it's only from the last thirty days. Like that is a huge opportunity. And it's such a big pool that it can drive explosive growth for us. And that's what we're trying to do. Um, you know, at the same time, um, we, we have a lot of challenge, other big challenges, like the marketing one you described earlier on, um, just operating in this industry. There's so much friction, like, you know, your payroll company one day could be like, Hey, we changed our policy. Um, so there's, there's always <laughs> friction. There's always hard things. And, I have a lot of respect for all the operators out there um, and even the competition that they're, you know, about what they're doing. But I think for us, we're laser focused on beating the illicit market on price, beating it on quality, on variety, on freshness. And by doing that, growing this, the regulated market, pulling people, making more, more demand from producers um, for it. And, um, uh, really just uh, 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 speeding up the transition from the illicit to the regulated market for California and then eventually the rest of the country as a whole. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well said. Um, at the end of the day, when you're done changing the way the world orders weed or buys weed, um, what do you like? What are you into? Flowers? Do you drink beverages? What, what, what do you like? Um, 
uh it's funny when you said flowers my mind actually started to go to flower bouquets <laughs> but uh <laughs> no I, I i actually love flowers. i mean you named your I, company that <laughs> i uh i actually love flower bouquets a lot you can ask my girlfriend i uh, get them for her all the time i'm a membership of having the them books. around i'm a membership um, of the books they don't pay me but they deliver flowers every month it's pretty nice yeah and and uh so but 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 you know personally um from a you know a cannabis Cannabis, um i'm a i'm a big flower guy Uh, i dab sometimes but i uh i love jack um it really gets me going from like uh wanting to just do do an excel model at night be smoking (laughs) a little jack joint good to go joints bonds bongs um uh, i'm i'm more of a joint guy as a from a, a regular consistency thing um uh from the east coast originally and i was you know used like a tiny little bowl had to get every single you know piece of thc out of it where are you here, from can't... originally i'm from virginia originally Got it. so being here in california um like it's cannabis abundant <laughs> it was particularly with flower co and yeah. so um more of a joint guy and you know for an occasion blunts um but can you roll a uh, joint well uh yeah i remember i remember one time when i was just getting um into the in the industry and i was out at a farm in humboldt county uh, i think the the farmer was kind of testing me he like, gave me some rolling papers and uh some flour <laughs> and we go i don't know if you know the roads there but it, you know we weren't on the main road we were an hour out and it's just like bumpy bumpy stuff going up through potholes and creeks and things <laughs> i finished rolling the joint and i'm like Did give you a grinder? A good you one. A grinder no grinder no grinder <laughs> how to do it by hand and i like i finish it and it's like actually okay and i'm like hey do you want you want to take the greens and he's like oh no i don't want to smoke anything i just thought you might want to but it was like definitely like uh we'll see what you can do <laughs> that's hilarious yeah. uh so. i'll do it like on a first date like if a woman tells me she really likes weed i'm like oh well can you roll a joint you know <laughs> sometimes <laughs> they're very embarrassed and i feel bad putting them on the spot well hey maybe maybe she's a maybe she's a bong or a bull girl you know Um, that's true and if she had if she said that i would accept that of course you know this is california um yeah well man this has been awesome thank you so much for for being on and for being so open and honest and for creating what is the best weed service in california easily well i appreciate um you know your uh your loyalty as a, a customer and um uh for your you know for your members um uh your listeners uh, if they want to use the code um invest in cannabis yeah, i uh sure. it'll have a a ten dollar off coupon and a free delivery for their first order so people can give it a try without the pesky delivery fees Sweet. and uh, if they have any feedback we're always trying to make the experience better and I would love to learn from them. So yeah, I really appreciate your time. Awesome, man. Yeah, it was, uh, it was really fun. And um, look, I'm not loyal uh, for the sake of it. You, you have the best shit at the best prices to, to put it as a stoner. So (laughs) I think that's as good a place to, to wrap up as any. Thank you again, man. And thanks guys for listening.